Welcome to Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about all things virtual reality. I am Chris Miranda, your host, and on today's show, I have James McRae. He's uh, the creator of something very cool that I am uh, looking forward to very much. Um, but uh, I'm going to let James talk a little bit more about it before I, uh, I reveal too much of what this amazing thing that it is that he's working on. So, so thank you, James, for coming on the show, first of all. Uh, thanks. Thanks very much for offering to, you know, have a conversation with me. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, well, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm quite honored because the thing that you're working on truly looks like a labor of love. Um. I. I just. Yeah. Yeah. I. But let's get it out of the way. What is it that you're working on? So, um, like many, I. I mean, I, I kickstarted the Oculus Rift. I got one, and I felt kind of guilty just having this thing, enjoying it, trying to get Skyrim and stuff like that working. You know. So I'm like, I should do a project for this. I'm a I study graphics in school, so I'll work on this project. So the project that came to mind that I called at the time, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of evolving in a strange way. I called it a VR internet browser because the idea is that, uh, you know, it would actually read an HTML page in and actually construct that as a, like a three-dimensional, you know, virtual space that you could walk through. And, uh, originally in its sort of earlier form, uh, you know, you you go through these HTML pages and this sort of virtual world would kind of dynamically be generated and grow and these rooms would kind of propagate outward in different ways. And, uh, you know, I just followed the analogy a bit further. Oh, you know, you know, the images that are kind of embedded in these HTML tags, they could actually, you know, have this sort of geometric placement as like pictures on the wall and so on and so forth. And, you know, I, I kind of just evolved the idea from there. So uh, it's what it is is it's it's kind of growing all the time. Um, is this kind of uh, <laughs> answering your questions? Mm-hmm. Uh, perfectly, actually. And I was actually, yeah. uh, you know, just to, in a nutshell, basically, uh, what your project is uh, is I will be able to we- uh, browse the web with my Oculus Rift one day, and it'll be using your 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 software. That would be great. That or some some form of it, or any any kind of program or software where my code's in there. That'd that'd be that'd be a pretty sweet feeling. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is amazing. That is super cool, man. Like I, because I'm one. I'm 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 of the opinion uh, that I think the Rift and VR in general is going to replace um, monitors and TV screens in in in, in a large part. Not you know, forever or, or all of them, but for, for the most of us, I think, you know, VR in the long run will, will, uh, replace monitors. But then your, the question becomes, well, how will this, you know, uh, how will the, the interfaces look for things that are just the, your casual day to day web browsing and, 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 and Microsoft yeah. Word and all that stuff. Like you, you are at the forefront of this. You are at the front of the line working on these problems. What inspired you in the first place? Like that, this is really cool, man. Because I'm, I'm super excited for what you're, what you're working on. Um, I feel like I'm talking to, you know, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt, but like I feel like I'm talking to the next Bill Gates or something because this is something that will touch, that will touch everyone. Like once they have a VR headset, like. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so useful, you know. Right. To, um, well, I, two, I got two points on that. The first is that I totally am, I'm in the same biased camp as you. I believe VR to totally be the next, you know, revolutionary medium that, you know, we kind of started with, 
you know, speech and the written word, you know, kind of like cavemen, like, you know, doing like imagery and, you know, scrawling on walls. And that evolved into things like, you know, radio, telephone, tele television. So obviously VR is like the next progression, you know, towards this sort of ideal way of using communication and sharing an experience with someone. I mean, that's, that's the purpose of things like storytelling and all that. So that's, that's the one side of it. Uh, the other issue, the, it's funny you mentioned Bill Gates and all that, that, uh, people have been long exploring, at least for decades now, the idea of applying different analogies to, you know, computing and, you know, productivity and these sort of processes that we kind of do day to day, you know, with word processors or checking an encyclopedia, whatever the, whatever the task may be. So like even Microsoft themselves, I, I, this is what I, one thing I get scrutinized for. It, it evokes a memory of a software called Microsoft Bob. Have you ever heard of Microsoft Bob? Please enlighten me. Okay, Microsoft Bob is kind of like uh, Microsoft Longo decades ago re-envisioned a different way that one might um, use a computer that kind of maybe was more intuitive or rich than the classic, you know, uh, you know, wimp metaphor, you know, where you have icons, you click on them kind of thing. Mm. Uh, you know, so maybe you're in like a barn or an office and, you know, you're clicking things and, you know, uh, they're, they're going for that, that more of a metaphor, like, oh, I mean a word document, but it's a, the experience is like I'm writing a letter to someone or things like that. Uh, uh, you should check that out. But, uh, yeah, definitely. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's one of the things I get criticized for is like, you know, reinvention of the past, but, uh, I think that I, what I am doing is something different, and it's and it's very uh, it's open ended. It's not even fully clearly defined yet, but it's it's definitely trying to leverage you know what's great about VR and sort of cater towards um, experiences and things you'd want to do uh, yeah. that are very amenable to VR. So people say like, well, I wouldn't want to be reading text off walls and things like this. But I, I very much understand that sentiment. I probably maybe I don't find that maybe the most ideal interface for that either, but. Maybe if you change it and I want to, you know, visualize and see the three-dimensional structure of molecules or proteins or, you know, like they say, do these virtual tourism things, go on a field trip, like an educational field trip, all those things. Those are really ideal situations where VR and maybe the kind of software that I'm working on, um, you know, will we'll really hit hard kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's... Sorry, I'm, I'm going on and on. No, uh, I... <laughs> Feel free to interject at any time. I, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I completely agree. I think you're... Uh, so, so he, let me see if I can follow this progression, you know, and, and let me know if I've got, if I can, if I got this right. Essentially... You know, people are well, so right now. People are making all these, and potentially people will be making all these different apps for the casual consumer for virtual reality. You know, now obviously now that Facebook is in, it's not just for games, right? But you know, you're gonna have your education apps, you're gonna have your um, your tourism apps, just what you said, your your therapy apps, your relaxation apps. It's so just like how right now uh, gaming itself. Is part of at least a part of it is is going into the cloud. Do you think that um, one day we will instead of just downloading apps, we would use a web, a, a, you know, a virtual reality web browser to just stream these virtual reality apps slash experiences from the cloud? Is that is that what this could lead to in the long run? Um. Yeah. I mean, leading to it. I mean, I've we've already kind of got that going on now. Uh, I don't know if I want to to plug the guy, but this is a dude by the name of uh, Lee Nolan. He goes by Qster123 on the forums. Uh -huh. And uh, this kind of evolved in a very organic way. He was just like, there's a, there's a few, I guess I have like a small cult following of people who are really interested in following the project that I'm aware of anyway. 
And uh, he was one of these dudes who just, you know, was thought it was really cool. And then he kind of started this site. And then I guess he had some PHP skills and some web development skills. So he thought, you know, I could actually integrate an editor in there and get people, you know, I'll host their content on my own site, you know, making almost like a, what I've been calling a VR GeoCities type of thing. Mm. And uh, people could put up their own experiences and things on there. And what I'm kind of seeing is that people are making experiences more and more like, you know, like a game or like an environment that you'd explore, or, you know, whatever the content is, maybe they want to show off their photographic works or, uh, you know, things like that. I mean, one, one guy has like the, you know, the Washington Monument drawn to scale uh, within this environment. Other guys looking at, you know, how could we do storytelling inside this thing? Yeah. So all these different, like you said, uh, not maybe dedicated apps, but yeah, they're all kind of served up by HTTP dynamically to you. You only download like Firebox as the platform, this one client. It's like, it's a pretty compact program, and then, yeah, you just dynamically all this stuff just kind of streams through to you. What was your inspiration and, uh, for this? Sorry, I just I'm just curious. But but go ahead and yeah. finish your thought. I, I was sorry for interjecting. No, no, I encourage the interjection. I'm very <laughs> casual or whatever. What inspired you? What it what 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 made you? What you know? Where, where did the light bulb moment come from for you for this? Right. Um. Well, let's see. Um. I, I, so <laughs> I have a lot of ways I can go on this question. One is that making a, like a, 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 a sort of a game or some sort of standalone application, you've kind of made that content and then it's fixed. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's done, but it's, you know, it's, it's consumable, it's consumed. You kind of run it once you have your, your thrill and then you're kind of finished. So I wanted to do a project that was kind of deeper than that. One that you could like, you know, return to or had something different to offer. And then the internet, the web, the metaverse, if you will, is this huge breadth of, you know, knowledge, information, data of all kinds. And I thought, you know, a cool project would be to somehow incorporate or integrate that, that data, that knowledge. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't presume that this idea is original at all. I mean, uh, there have been, you know, 3d, you know, web viewing interfaces before, you know, it's VR, ML and X3d, which are these, were to, were to be these standards for how one might view, uh, you know, data and, and, and experience the internet in our virtual future, but it, it never came to be. So uh, I guess my inspiration, and, you know, I, I read the sci-fi novels, you know, Palmer Luck, he's like, go oh, check out this Ready Player One, which is mm -hmm. a sick book, fantastic book. So, you know, I was, I was all up in that world. Like I was just, I was just feeling it. And I was like, yeah, you know, this, this idea of like collaborative uh, browsing is, or I'm calling it browsing. I mean, but just like a collaborative universe that we can all enter is like the coolest thing. And I thought, well, there's already this network out there of HTTP servers. So there's a way to already leverage the existing technology to, to kind of push in that direction of making this kind of, uh, you know, idealized, you know, metaverse thing happen. So uh, it just seemed like a natural uh, sort of progression. Is there a, uh a, a definition that, that everyone is going by at this point of what the metaverse is like if you if 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 i go to <laughs> silicon valley vr and then i go to a new york vr meetup and i ask people what is the metaverse will i get two different answers or a bunch of different answers oh yeah i think you'll definitely i mean we have a, we have a shared idealism of what that might be but one of the great things about being a great writer is that uh, you, you leave much to the imagination. So mm. I think that what we, we kind of share is, is, is the appreciation for the scope and the magnitude of what the metaverse might be. But uh, each person's definition of what it is is a bit different. And it's also the kind of thing where it, it, it's, it's varied by nature. Like you could be in one part of the metaverse and the rules, if you will, 
act a certain way, and then elsewhere they're they're completely different. Yeah. So I, I'm in the camp that you might get a different answer, but you know the, the concept's the same. You know, how, you know. Hmm? How would you describe the metaverse to your relative who's not a technologist at the Thanksgiving party? Someone came up <laughs> to ask you that. <laughs> metaverse. Hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> very open-ended. I'll, I'll pick something concrete out of it. One of the great potential. Things that I see for you know my my view of this metaverse, and you know this is true in the stories of Snow Crash and the like too, is that um, you know the, the, it is a collaborative experience. You're not just this singular entity in this world, but rather you know there you, you know you're maybe in, you're in some sort of mall or street like situation. There's, there's actually like a crowd of people there, mm-hmm. uh, and you know they're all busily doing you know whatever it is task they're doing. But you know you kind of have a shared perception of one another. Uh, you know, in this potentially infinite, uh, infinite world. One of the things that really interests me about this is, is the idea of um, these collaborative browsing experiences. So say I'm on the metaverse equivalent of Amazon and I'm looking at some code or some product or something there. Mm-hmm. And then now another guy pops in and, you know, just a happenstance meeting and he's there too, you know, and I can kind of point at this, Hey, you know, you're not, you're just, you're just some, Dude, guy who walked into this part of the metaverse that I'm in. What do you think of this? What's your motivation for this? You could just, you know, shoot, start shooting the breeze with that guy on your opinion of this thing, whatever it is. So this kind of happenstance meeting that, and that shared context, that reason that you're both there, kind of uh, bonds you in a sense, and you might want to, you know, just start up a chat with a random stranger about that. So, um, yeah. I think that what it, what it represents is all these little interesting. Um, Interesting sort of things that can happen, so uh, in, a, in a microscopic sense, within the greater you know macrocosm that that it is. I can definitely see the opportunities for uh, big companies, business. The, you know the the profit potential for from the metaverse, I think, is absolutely uh, immeasurable at this point. And 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 for the consumer itself, I think themselves, I think the uh, time saving, uh, the hassle saving potential of the metaverse is, is um, you know, not to say, you know, even so the time saving and the hassle saving of having to drive to the mall, that, that stuff would be amazing. And then also like the, mm-hmm. the stuff that people haven't thought of, thought of yet, like, uh, who, you know, honestly, I think the metaverse will be the place where, uh, you know, our, you know, for me, Uh, honestly, I look at the metaverse and I think about how right now we live in the 21st century and we are stuck with economic mo- economic models, market economy, capitalism. We, we still have the same old arguments we've been having for the last 150 years, communism versus socialism versus capitalism versus anarchy. But what is what are we looking forward to? And I think that in the future, we're looking at, a, an, an, at economies in, that are self-sustaining from the metaverse where people can actually make a living and be human at the same time. I think we might be able to have our cake and eat it. It doesn't have to be the Matrix. It doesn't have to be, you know, the post-apocalyptic, uh, Ready Player One uh, world that you know <laughs> that people are envisioning. And and I think that you know you're you're on the right path. Are you in any way, shape, or form uh, worried of uh, getting uh, in terms like what worries you more? Getting this successful <laughs> out there. Or selling it to people, I think it sells itself. But you know what gets what 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 you know what's your biggest worry at this point with your project? 
Okay, uh, so I'll, I'll just I'll just pass on all the commentary you made before about the grander <laughs> political implications <laughs> of having this. And just no, let's. My worries, you know what? No, what let's do that. Let's yeah, let me yeah. What do you what do you think of my random rambling about the political economic implications for okay. humanity about the for the metaverse? First of all, <laughs> I, 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 I'd say that um, you know the idea of a dystopic future, you know, juxtaposed by the sort of VR thing we can jack into, makes for you know great writing. It's great sci-fi writing. I mean, if it was just a utopia, it wouldn't be quite as a compelling read. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, while we'll have VR, and I think that that's great for you know, you know, globalization and the idea that you know that you know your company can have a global presence. That's very easy to do. You know, with the advent of the internet, we've already got that. You can order things from around the world, right? Yeah. Um, you know, political boundaries. These, I think, I think these things will largely stay as they are. You know, there will be, you know, dictatorships, communist regimes, capitalist regimes, things like this. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure how transformative it will be there, but, um, you know, certainly, you know, encourages, you know, globalization. That's at least for communication, if not, if not more. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. But in terms of, well, let's, let's stay on this tangent because in terms of, you know, because here's the thing that I see, I, I think I see the, me, the metaverse being a component of a, a larger scheme and, and I, and by but what I mean by that is, you know, you have your metaverse in in conjunction with the advent of 3D printers, you know, consumer viable 3D printers that are cheap enough uh, and we'll, we'll get here eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, along with drone technology and, and, and machine learning, like I think those things, you know, <laughs> I, those I three things, like, that trifecta, the, the, like... Oh, oh. <laughs> You mean like a revolution of industry where now we can basically 3D print our own products and we have no more dependency upon uh, industry, right? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> but, yeah. there, was a, there was a joke in Big Bang Theory about this where it's like, oh, you know, I, I believe it was Big Bang Theory. We're like, oh, now we've got these 3D printers. You know, we, We're masters of our own uh, you know, future. We can create all of our own objects. And they're like, well, wait a second. Who's building the 3D printers for you? <laughs> Same thing, you know. Uh, <laughs> Just manufacturing 3D printers instead from these other countries, kind of thing. Have you heard that <laughs> joke on Facebook? Uh, there's this joke going around on Facebook that people are like liking and reposting everywhere, but it's essentially. Uh, and this, don't worry, this relates to the 3D printer, 3D printing. You know, if sure, sure. Yeah. Take, <laughs> but I'm gonna take you on a, a quick, uh, a bit of a ride. Uh, no, no worries. Take, take any movie. Right and and put the word penis at the end of it. Right, so for his gump, for his penis, you know, and and it's just like it's like you know the fifth element, the fifth penis. Like it's just silly fourteen-year-old sort of humor. But like when I I, I think of that, and I'm like, yeah, I, this is where I make weird connections <laughs> because I think about 3D printers, and you put 3D printing at the end of any phrase or object or whatever, and all of a sudden I I can see the connection between. Mars 3D printers, you know, will send 3D printers to Mars and they will replicate, you know, and build the houses and the ha- or whatever we need before humans or robots arrive. Uh, in, you know, cars, 3D printers, you use 3D printers to print out stuff that you need for your car and not have to go to Kragen or whatever auto, auto parts store. Dog 3D right. printer, like a, you know, and so, so on and so forth. And so I see everything, you know, that, uh, surrounds us at, at, at some point at time could be touched by this, you know, technology. Um, 
and and the metaverse could be the place where we actually shop for those physical objects or make those objects that we then see in the real world. Uh, that's why I feel like it, it could be so profound. I mean, but then again, I'm not Nostradamus. I can't predict the future. I have no idea what the fuck is going to happen. But still, I think the potential is there. <laughs> Did I take you too far? <laughs> I don't know where no, was. not not at all. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what to say? Uh, 3D printing is is a pretty cool technology. You know, this sort of fuse bead deposition sort of like process where you just apply these little kind of droplets in this order and make various objects. Um, but I, I have colleagues whoever who've done research on that and how they handle stresses in different directions and things like that. Mm. Uh, there's there's a there's a there's a high economic cost though. To, you know these, these materials at least right now. You know if you want to buy like cubic inches of this stuff it's actually not cost effective to make very large um, models as it were at the moment but i guess that's like technology in general where things get cheaper over time right but Mm -hmm. uh yeah well yeah it'll definitely Mm. be interesting to see how at what point these two technologies will um uh marry and make babies so uh tell me about yourself man where do you what's your background like where do you where do you come from what what is uh, to to wind up into virtual reality uh okay so like my my life story bit kind of thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh all right uh let's see uh, I'll, I'll go way back basically i guess i was like five or six and i had an uncle who bought me a nintendo and uh, seeing seeing Mario jump on the screen when I hit A, you know the A button, mm-hmm. that was just like that's I think where my mind clicked, where this idea of technology like was the absolutely the coolest thing ever. And uh, from then on, I was like super interested in in games. And as I got older, I like you know loved games. You know, went on to you know play Sonic on Sega Genesis and so on. Until I made a, a friend whose older brother kind of introduced me to this concept of programming for the first time. And uh, when I caught sight of that, that you could actually, you know, enter in computer codes that would actually dictate the behavior of the machine, uh, you know, I kind of saw, like, the limitless creative potential behind behind that, that, you know, this, this, this husk or whatever, this shell, this machine, this thing without a soul or whatever, doesn't really do much and doesn't really consist of much, but you can sort of pour your ideas into it. And if you knew how to translate your ideas into codes that this machine can understand, you can make this thing, you know, do anything in your imagination. You were limited by your imagination. And I thought that was just super cool. So from then on, I just got really into to programming. Uh, I tell the story. I was like the kid at recess who was like a loner hiding in the corner with like graph paper doing like the vector drawings for the characters I had in my games rather than go and play pogs with everybody else or whatever the fad of the day was, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, I just stuck with programming. I remember my computer classes. Uh, it was funny. The, the one other guy I was competing with in the computer programming class, we used to, like, make, like, Mega Man X clones and Super Metroid clones, right? And he was like, whoa, we figured out how to, like, rotate the sprite, right? And I would do, like, a forward lookup for the texture, so I had all these gaps in the in the pixels, but no, he actually did like the reverse lookup, which was like what they call a UV, you know, parameterization for a texture now, and it looked smooth, and I was like, how did you do that, oh man, I mean, that guy later went on to do, uh, he went on to like Dragon's Den, I don't know if you know, then they call it Shark Tank or something, but yeah. he went on this show, and he, he had a whole product he pitched, like, whoa, this, this dude went places, and uh, anyway, but you know, I had that competitive thing with him, we basically got to avoid doing actual work, 
And then, uh, you know, I went into, I guess, computer science seemed like the natural progression. So, bang, now I'm in university. Had a fantastic time there. University comes to an end. You want to, you know, want to prolong getting into your real life a little bit longer. So, uh, what's what's the obvious choice? Well, you know, how can I most stick with this interest of, you know, video games and gaming? Computer graphics, That's that seems legit. You know, it's, it's academic, but it keeps me uh, totally grounded in, in my interests. Awesome. So, I... Uh, I rode the computer graphics train all the way up through a couple more degrees. So I'm just graduating now with the uh, last degree there. And uh, yeah, along the way, this, you know, VR advent came to be. And uh, obviously I'm huge into games. I mean, I had like the, you know, the NVIDIA 3D vision, you know, with the active shutter glasses you wear. I try to, you know, I play my game with that, like a foot from my face, you know, trying to get (laughs) as immersed as possible. I remember I, uh, you know, I had I had the projector, and I found out rather than actually buying like a dedicated, you know, projector screen, you could just go to blinds to go or like a curtain shop and say, yeah, I just want that like roll curtain, the diffuse material. You can get that for like eighty bucks rather than like the five hundred dollar projector screen someone wants to sell you. Whoa! So you know, I had like I had like Elder Scrolls Oblivion, like ten foot wide screen on like this basically sort of like a curtain with a diffuse reflection to it, right? Wow, you're a badass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, well, I worked in this laboratory too, the DGP Dynamic Graphics Project at U of T. They got tons of cool stuff going on there too, with like gigantic screens and and stuff like this. They have holographic stuff where this like card spins and there's like an image projected onto it in time, so it looks like you know almost like the Star Wars thing when they're communicating to each other. Wow. So I've I've seen I've seen plenty of stuff, and I've 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 always been huge on gaming and games. And uh, yeah, when the Oculus Rift came out, I was just like. I love this fucking company. This is the greatest <laughs> thing. I've always wanted like something like this, you know? Yeah. And uh, not only did they make it happen, they executed it like amazingly. I remember like, I was like, this is just so cool. This is so cool. Right. And the, I think their Kickstarter came out on the first of the month mm-hmm. and I must've, I never kickstarted anything. I, I, I'm not big on the internet. I never read it. I never did any of this stuff. I have avoided Facebook and all that. I guess I had a minimal, internet presence but i was like that's like what turned me into like getting into that like i molded over for a week and then i got one and uh you know it was like the best decision best 300 bucks i ever spent like i like love i love the product i love the idea behind it. it's just like super amazing hardware to work with what so, was like i have nothing but praise yeah i know yeah i same i'm on the same boat as you uh what is your uh what was your first reaction when you first put on the rift that first moment Oh my god! You know, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say like I like I like giggled and laughed so hard I cried a little tear. <laughs> yeah, I was I was like staring at like a post in Tuscany. It was like the stupidest. I was on the balcony looking at like the, the wooden posts, and it's like, oh my god, this is so good. I shed a little tear. I, sh- I swear to God, man. And the foam like absorbed the tear. It was a sweet moment. <laughs> <laughs> what a considerate foam for absorbing that tear for you. That is uh, probably. Yeah, what, that, joy. Are you so? I, I I take it you're extremely excited for DK2 and uh, consumer oh, mall. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. July July can't come soon enough, man. Oh, and unlike the mistake I made waiting a week, yeah, I was the guy 8:30 a.m. EST, the equivalent of whatever my time zone. The very moment that it came up. And their system came up with that one pixel high orange bar that you could click on to order. I was all over it. Wow. I was on it. 
So I think I'm order number one this time. So you- <laughs> yeah, I was like, Orange Bar, you look good enough. You know, like, that's an amazing model. They could sell people who can click on Orange Bars and don't even know what they're clicking on and getting charged 80 times. People still want it that bad. That's that's a good position to be in. Yeah, no, for real, man. Because that's, yeah. Did you, so your order went well and you didn't have any hiccups or anything when you uh, put that I- yeah, well, like everyone, I think I got charged like for three, because uh, cause you had to pay this extra fifty dollar fee or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, like at that day, I think I paid like fifty six bucks, and then they refunded me a couple days later, and I got like fifty four bucks. But that's just exchange rate woes, because I'm I'm in Canada, right? So the Canada to U.S. conversion bit me a bit there. That's okay. Yeah. You know? They can have it, man. They they deserve it. This this thing is awesome. So yeah, <laughs> I love your attitude. It's uh, that no, you're so hardcore. I love it, man. This is cool. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to turn off your. I don't know. Man. I didn't prepare. I'm just I'm just speaking, man. So I like that. No, this is what I lo- I, I look forward to. I just want to speak with people and, and see where what's inside their heads. So yeah. <laughs> let's talk about design. Like you 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 designed this thing from the ground up. You know, how did you, you know, how did you know what felt good for VR? Was it a trial and error thing? Did you check out the Oculus manual? What was your process like? Uh, to be honest, uh, it was a real, in the beginning stages, it was just a real hack just to get something going. I think that, you know, probably internally they're looking at my software like, this is kind of crap in a way. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, in, so I'll, t- I'll just tell a story if you don't mind. Mm. So, uh, like, you know, around the time I got the, the development kit and I started, I kind of got to work immediately on, uh, like Firebox, the, the original version. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I actually had a couple issues with, with the documentation. Like in particular, there was this one multiplication to the projection matrix that causes it to skew. And I actually just assigned sort of the X value in the fourth column directly. So that was like one thing. And then I couldn't get around that. And there was like little minor mathematical issues or little oversights that I made with the equations. And that was partly because I was actually completing my like PhD thesis dissertation. So I wasn't actually spending a pile of time and like, you know, devoted time on it. It was like always on the side. Mm -hmm. So I kind of hacked, you know, it was a... (laughs) What can I talk? So also, their Linux support wasn't actually like completely there at that time. So what I wanted to do is I really wanted to quickly get out like a program where like the Riff was working on Linux, and uh, there was another guy who you know actually took the SDK and he kind of ported the sort of like Windows API specific function calls to use these sort of more generic uh, you know objects you know relating to like threading and all this stuff. Hmm. So uh, the combination of that with kind of my graphics programming to, you know, the OpenGL and do the GLSL shader that could invert the, the distortion from the, you know, caused by these lenses and stuff. So that combination got a Linux app out quick, but then lo and behold, within a month, they, their SDK supported it too. But, uh, you know, and then once that happened, I actually kind of left the project by the wayside because I was like busy in school doing my, uh, my thesis. I basically had to wrap up, man. I was like doing a PhD for like six years. So it's like, I already had too many projects and distractions on the side, so I was like, I have to put this put this, this aside for a while. Yeah. So what, what I had left behind, to answer your question, long long way around it, was this kind of crappily done implementation that was also, I open-sourced it because I just, you know, wanted to share it and let people have it and stuff. And then it actually was getting picked up by a few people, which wasn't the greatest thing because uh, it didn't end up, uh, you know, it wasn't actually a solid implementation the, the way that they wanted the the uh, the projection everything which to this day still is a little bit magical to me in terms of the really finer points of the details, um, but so yeah yeah so yeah that code was being adopted and 
I guess that, that wasn't, that wasn't great. But you know, now, like I think since like February or March, I finally like wrapped it up, how my thesis written done. I actually have some time to devote to this. I'm going to read, go through. So I was like, gung ho, I'm going to read this SDK document. I'm going to take every equation, going to pump it in, going to make sure like it's exact, like like eight to 10 hours a day, like just, yeah, you know, get it, get it right. So now I'd say like my, my implementation is like pretty perfect, like pretty on the spec, at least for the SDK 0.2.5 goes. Now they're going to change all that with 0.3 in this time warping and this madness where this actual they're going to do it on a mesh and the mesh is going to change it's that's craziness but uh i hope uh, it'll be interesting to see what what goes on there so uh anyway yeah just more lately i'm i i've kind of held back on doing the open source release i want to make sure the next if i do that will actually be a you know like a solid release for people but they may look at that code and be like oh we could use this in our own projects it's a good good base to go with you know just kind of like a hello world open gl but in the rift like app but they're already Oculus themselves are doing a great job on that and adding these like stereo util class and stuff. I'm rambling, man. I apologize. No, please. Uh, I am in. I'm in total. Like I, I like this. I like the words that come out of your mouth right now. Uh, what is uh, what are the, <laughs> what are the, uh, you know, when why? Because de- you're just taking all the words I'm saying and then taking the last word and putting penis on the end. <laughs> yeah, essentially, <laughs> you have figured yeah. me out, sir. Uh, what is the um. So, so when DK2 comes out, and, and, mm. and the hardware is going to be uh, significantly different from DK1, and you know, with with low persistence uh, plugged in there, uh, software, how will that? Yeah. Are, are you anticipating that will affect your your particular app, um, or will you? You know, do, do you have any insight into? Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an implicit gain in everyone's app. I mean, just. You know, from the from the time I tried it, I acknowledge that when you turn your head, there's this very obvious sort of blurring that happens, right? I mean, it's it's clear and evident. And uh, you know, some demos try to hide that more, maybe by using sort of uh, you know darker, less less luminous colors in their uh, implementations. But ultimately, there's this there's this blur. So the low persistence, uh, I th- I think, will be huge in the direction of just improving the not just for Firebox, but you know, kind of all demos demos are gonna gonna see improvement from that. Same with the positional tracking stuff too. I should also comment on the like. I I I don't want to call myself an evangelist, but I've actually shown my Rift and demoed not just Firebox, but you know even the other demos. You know the Titans of Spacious type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know the Rift roller coaster type experiences, all that. So probably like without an exaggeration, hundreds of people. Wow. Around it. Hundred, yeah, hundreds of people put there. It's a good thing I'm no germaphobe because there's been that many faces on my Rift, right? <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, like hundreds. Like I've 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 taken it to like um, Autodesk here in Toronto, and then I found out that Nate Mitchell was there just a month or two ago, and I did an internship there. So I was like, damn it, I missed him. It's like missing Pokeroo, you know. <laughs> so I had that. I've taken I've demoed it at my lab like numerous times. I demoed it at like a barbecue for alumni at the university. That's... I'm actually taking uh, took Firebox and some other modeling software, and I'm going to and from this. Uh, there's a high school not too far. And I'm actually demoing with like 50 or so students from there, having them uh, use the Rift to actually see. This was like a design class, and they could actually see their creations at different scales. Whoa. So some made like architectural models, and I made them look like you know hundreds of meters high. Some were doing like furniture, so you'd, you'd model that at scale. So like, there's this huge potential for like pre-manufacturing visualization before you commit the costs towards using those materials to create that object to first you know verify your design and get it get you know get a visual look at your design. And my other modeling software does a lot of like um, physical simulation mm-hmm. to make sure it stands, what's the weight it can take. So like collaborative, like put all that together. You have this like really sick 
modeling system that lets you like validate your models in a really powerful way. But anyway, to get back to the, uh, yeah, the number of faces on the rift, yeah, many, many, and to bring it full circle, the low persistence in that technology is really going to help out because while you get people who give you like responses from this spectrum of this is incredibly awesome down to like, this makes me feel really weird. Like they're just weirded out because of like, it's like very personal, right? And it yeah. gets right in them and they've never tried it before. But I'd say almost universally after five to 10 minutes for the, uh, you know, the VR gins, if you will, the people who are trying it for the first time, there's almost like a sort of universal response where they feel nauseous or not quite right. That I think this low persistence tech, you know, these positional tracking, you know, anything to, to ease that definitely uh, will help a great deal. So that that's going to totally help with adoption, help with my demos too, where like people aren't like, I hate you because the rest of today I'm going to feel like this. And I'm like, hey, man, sorry, but you don't regret it, do you? It was cool, right? They're like, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> you just saw the future, man. Before I go on with yeah, my exactly. next point, I, I, I need to ask, you know, there's this word, VR gin. Is this is this a is this a word yeah. now? Is this a thing for so so people who are uh, who haven't experienced virtual reality or the Rift? They are. Being... I don't know where. Yeah, I don't know where I'm at. I love that word, by the way. Yeah. It just makes total sense now. VR gin. Ha! <laughs> oh man, you guys are having fun with this. Uh, so what was the? Have you encountered people who are? you know, uh, aren't particularly excited about virtual reality or the rift? And, and, and if, if so, what are the arguments? What are, what are the arguments from the other side or the skeptics? <laughs> so I have this, I have this buddy, uh, his name's Brian, but I call him house. I'd call him kind of one of the uh, detractors, but he's also kind of a real guy. So he'll, he'll give me his honest opinion of like what he thinks that it needs to really get that mass adoption. So like he actually calls it the headache machine, but, uh, <laughs> Partly I blame that on his bad eyesight. Partly I blame that on, you know, an occasional, you know, marijuana habit that he chooses to pursue before he goes on there. I remember one time I made him try uh, this guy Teddy Zero K, the Hydra cover shooter. Yeah. And like I, I, I kind of left him on his own means, which maybe wasn't a good idea. And he like tried to duck and he like totally smoked his head on the table and just like fell over. But he was kind of laughing. But like, you know, so he's had, nice. <laughs> he's had bad experiences with it. But uh uh, yeah, like, you know, it's the things, like you said, that they, that aren't quite there that they need to work. I see the DK one as like a, you know, the, the proof of concept for like, you know, look for the potential. This isn't the end goal. I mean, if that, that was the end goal, that might not be ideal for everyone, but the DK one gets the, the effect, you know, the stereopsis and stuff and the very high field of view enough that you, you say, if you continue down this road, this is going to be really awesome, right? So he kind of takes it at face value. I guess he's less of a dreamer compared to me where I didn't see the the down the line potential. But uh, I have a feeling that, you know, even the people who are kind of detractors to the idea of it, they're going to be swayed in time. Yeah. Um, as, as the technology matures. Uh, also, he on, on that subject, so that's one. That's the technology. Number two is the sense of purpose. Like, why? Why am I putting this on my face? Why not? You know, typical Xbox controller on hand, land, you know, lounge on my couch there to stare at a screen type of thing <laughs> yeah uh, uh, you know that, that that's the other thing right convenience i guess you know why would i want to want to strap this on right um and that, i mean that's a tougher sell that's that's one where you you've got to appreciate the, the idea of the of the immersion or that you want to like go inside or you really want more out of your game that, uh, no that's an interesting I point was, you bring up because the whole immersion thing like y yeah that huh no because that is that is something that uh, at this point the technology cannot go around and, and it's something that you know my girlfriend and I we go at back and forth because she's not sold on virtual reality 
quite yet. Uh, just for that one fact that you have to put a a thing over your face and it looks kind of weird, you know. But but it, you know, but that's beside the point in my mind because I feel like it's not necessarily about you know this face in front of your face, this thing in front of your face. It's it's what you're seeing through this thing. Um, exactly. But but still, I you know I I do agree, I do see the you know a, a valid point in the in the fact that. This thing, this thing, in the future, they, you know, I, I hope Oculus is able to f hire a really good um, uh, as a industrial designer. I think, I, I think that's the word, so that they can make this thing look sexy, like you know, sexify, yeah, some sort of sexy shell on it, yeah, yeah it glows yeah. the right way and so on. Exactly, right? yeah. So make it look something like, yeah, like like you know, uh, like it's a like it belongs in a movie of 2035, but but. Yeah, aside from that, yeah, I don't know if there's a way to get around that. You know how 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 people are still want to experience uh, things from the old ways of doing the old paradigm, the TV ten feet away from you. I I don't know how to get around that. I mean, it. Yeah, I I think the sell is the quality of the experience. That that's that's going to be the ultimate thing that that sways people. Like this this guy I was talking about, he's like. If, and we talked about, you know, the Firebox, the project, and he's like, you know, this is, eh, you know, eh, for me, you know, he's not super thrilled about it. I, right now, I guess it's more for technologist types, but uh, he's like, what would sway this? What would bring this over the edge, you know, is if you had, like, YouTube working really sick, and I could picture, I could see, like, you know, the windows on the sides, and it was, like, done in a, you know, basically, like, links to the next videos and stuff, but he's like, and, you know, they kind of swirl around you. You don't have to do all the walking around. This stuff just dynamically moves around you. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like if you could get like a really good experience for, you know, like one or two or three, you know, high tier sites, I guess is, is the term, mm -hmm. then uh, that's going to push a lot of people to want to use it because it, it does whatever they were doing before, but in a much, you know, better way for them, better being contextual, whatever that is, you know, you take your girlfriend or maybe she wants to go shopping, look at this and that, you know, she could actually be in like that store, but the store looks really amazing. And like mm -hmm. every product's there for, for view and can be rotated every which way. That's going to be a lot more powerful than just yeah. looking at static images on a 2d arranged site. Definitely. So, you, yeah. Your, yeah. your Amazon of VR, your Facebook of VR, your YouTube of VR, those things, I don't think they have been nailed down quite yet. And what is the challenge, for example, just sticking with YouTube, how difficult is it for you right now with the current software that you have and the current uh, um, limitations that you have uh, to, to help for, for you to implement uh, a YouTube viewing experience, uh, a seamless YouTube viewing experience in with 3D VR uh, at this moment? Is that is that something that can be pulled off? At this moment, I can't. I guess the main... The main um technology roadblock for me right now is that you know on youtube they use tend to use flash for the videos they have html5 mm -hmm. as well which i could probably get going with very little work but trying to get flash videos integrated into into the current version of firebox would be sort of a technical challenge mm -hmm. at the moment uh the guys at rift max theater they're doing a really good job on seamlessly uh bringing in the videos and stuff like that um so it's not technically impossible it's just uh yeah i i don't have that that going yet I've got I've, I've got basic video support in but mm -hmm. you know kind of more for non Adobe flash formats like actual video formats so work in progress type stuff right yeah, uh, definitely. but yeah still super cool what is your uh, 
your your plans in terms of uh, w will this software app be available for Morpheus? Are you looking into that? Will this will there be uh, you know or will or this is this completely exclusive to Oculus? You know what what are, what's your strategy with this? Strategy, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> right now, the focus is on um, Oculus, the Oculus Rift. Right now, kind of PC. Uh, you know, I guess with Sony, they'll probably want to have their own particular solution to whatever browser. If they do integrate it into, you know, their PS4 system or beyond. Uh, so right now, you know, I'm kind of sticking with like you know open kinds of systems, operating systems where you can, you know, freely install programs. Um, I'm consider, you know, PC. PC is, I mean, that, not the generic term, you know, like Windows and Linux and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, and also sticking with open standards. Like, I think it's a really good choice and something that separates a lot of the Firebox-like models of the past. Like, it, it often gets compared with Second Life, which has a sort of a central service you go through. So you go with these, like, Linden Labs server, mm -hmm. and they handle, you know, the hosting of the content. They break down the world and, you know... Uh, you can buy your, your plot of land on it and stuff, but it's kind of singularly controlled through them. So I think one of the appeals of the Firebox as a project is the openness in the sense that, you know, here's this HTML or HTML-like standard that you can use, and I'm trying to incorporate existing technologies as much as possible where it makes sense. Now you can just make your own server. You don't have to talk to anyone, go through anyone. You just need to make it. It's there. And, uh, you know, ideally the, 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 the program's open source too, and it's kind of this open collaborative uh, potentially, uh, yeah, way, way, way of doing things, way, way of developing the worlds, and also, you know, way of working on the software too. Um, yeah, I think I, I missed the point of your question, but I could you just reiterate? Yeah, no, it's just yeah. essentially you're you're going for now. You're you're sticking with Oculus, and 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 you answered yeah. it. You answered it beautifully. Next question is, okay. <laughs> uh, what is your uh, in terms of you? You did mention about open source. Um, but but if people want to get it, so so as we speak and people get involved and and, and get into a GitHub and, and start adding to the code or I mean how does that how does yeah. that work and how are you managing that? I, I've been asked that a few times. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually not going the you know the collaborative source code route at the moment, and the main the main reason I guess it's becoming less of a personal project now, which is what it started as was just something cool I wanted to do to learn how to program, you know, for the Oculus Rift SDK specifically. But uh, now it's becoming more of a public thing. Um, I, I may have to you know I may look to that in the future. But at, at the moment, I, what I really enjoy is you know being a small programming team of one. I can literally turn on my heel and like. You know, if I have a great idea about how I, I want to add something, like I added um, like some GLSL shaders thing like a day or two ago to do these like trippy animations and stuff, just kind of on a whim. I didn't have to like check in with anyone or, you know, verify or worry if it's going to break existing this and that, mm -hmm. you know, whether it meets other people's expectations. I just, I can just do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know, I really, I, I really like, uh, I guess it is a sense of control over the project, but it, you know, it allows me to be really agile in terms of the, the direction I might want to take with it. For sure. So, uh, whereas, you know, if you're working within a group, even a small group, you know, you've got to kind of, you know, discuss amongst yourselves, you know, what's the decision I'm going to make. And so what I'm going for now is like super rapid, super do cool ideas kind of development. And, you know, I figure there's time for that later. I'll just make this thing, try to make it cool. And then, you know, bring on the bigger team, turn it into more of like, you know, if it's going to become like some sort of commercial success or whatever, you know, bring that 
bring that team in, you know, down the road. But right now, I'm just trying to, I guess, you know, add value to it, mm-hmm. make it make it interesting as possible to use. I like your style. That's <laughs> that said though, I like all the suggestions. Like I read everything that people say. Like there's a, you know, on, there's Reddit R Oculus where people are occasionally posting about um, Firebox, but there's actually now a Firebox subreddit R Firebox. So you know, I, re- I read that. I try to answer people's questions on there, and I definitely incorporate suggestions. And I, I take inspiration from the p- things people are trying to do with it, mm-hmm. and then think about what what feature can I add to to make that better. And I, I think I have a pretty clear vision of what everyone what everyone wants, and that, that tends to be, you know, like better video support, add dynamic web pages, whether that's like JavaScript or some other means of scripting, like right. the events that can happen. And, uh, you know, I, one of the real original visions and goals was getting it collaborative and multiplayer, but I think I need to nail down the, the two previous ones before I start thinking about, you know, network protocols and things, ways to handle that, that communication. Are you? So, yeah. uh, thank you for answering my question. What are you thinking about in terms of uh, raising funds? Is it is this something that you are thinking about in the future? Um, or you? I mean, what is your? Um, you know, what is your yeah, monetizing I mean, strategy, quote yeah. unquote? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's that's a very very good point. I mean, we are like the the developer community. Um, these are people who. You know, it's it's naive to believe that you know they're all just kind of working on these projects out of the uh, kindness of their heart. And you know, I, ideally we'd all, we'd all love to be, but at the end of the day, you need you know a few mouths to feed and stuff like that. So I guess we're all looking for ways that we can kind of monetize on it, right? And some people are pursuing Kickstarter projects and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I am just. Basically, I have another project that I'm working on, another position I'm taking that's going to kind of keep me afloat and allow me to kind of continue to work on this, right? Sort mm-hmm. of in a sense for free, right? As a, as a hobby. But, uh, you know, uh, in terms of personal uh, monetization potential, it would be great to, you know, be regarded by a larger company. You know, someone who actually sees the value of the idea mm-hmm. would want to invest in me and in the idea. And allow me to continue to to develop the software and actually make it become like a truly truly full time kind of job for me. Um, nice. So you're not uh, uh, yeah. And, and I guess I should also mention that the sort of satellite methods of monetization is that even if I didn't monetize and this just became open and free, you know, people there are other ways to monetize as well. Like um, like this guy who's doing the VR hosting, he's hosting these sites for free, right? So mm-hmm. he actually is incurring a financial cost, whereas I don't really have a cost per se. Well, I'm still in the hobby stage of it. But, uh, you know, he should at least be covering his hosting expenses. So maybe he's looking at ways to do that. Like he could charge for hosting. I mean, there are sites that charge for hosting. He could, you know, he could actually do advertising, you know, within the VR room to cover his hosting costs. So there are different other means of monetization that are like secondary to the, the program itself. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. But what, yeah, no, 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 please. No, no, no need to apologize. What is your, <laughs> uh, what is, what is your opinion to, uh, in, in terms of venture capital or, or angel investors or, or that sort of thing? Are you steering clear from that world for now and, and just tr- figuring out uh, how to make something really valuable so that a company will acquire slash buy you out? Is that what, or, or are you still keeping uh, venture capital on the map? I, I, I've actually been getting a, 
I've, I've gotten some interesting emails over the past, you know, couple of months by people who are uh, angel investor types. Mm-hmm. I've, I've also got interesting emails from people who are have interesting positions in the industry right now, like who develop for Internet Explorer, say, who have emailed me personally. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. So uh, exciting. But, you know, uh, yeah, but you just even offering sort of like technical advice and stuff like that and saying that they're interested in the project, too, like more informal kind of stuff. You know what I mean? No, yeah. like big offers or anything like that. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so I've, I've got a, a, a breadth of people who've, who've, who've expressed interest in different ways. Um, yeah, uh, the, the thing with going with the early angel investors, some of them I think will just kind of want to go for the throat in a sense that they'll, they'll want to give you some sort of low amount for sort of a high percentage you know, take of the company and they'll want to actually then be in control of the future direction of it. So maybe if you have actually want to make a cool piece of software that, you know, your code, people are using it. And that's for me, that would give me like immense satisfaction too. Mm-hmm. They may be less interested in such a goal and just, you know, want to, you know, exactly you know, kind of like liquidate, you know, whatever it was. And then now it turns into nothing and doesn't grow. Yeah. So how far are we away from, uh, from, from this project being completed? Uh, are we months away? Are we a year away, two years away? How much, how much do you plan on, on putting in there before it's officially out into, you know, released uh, as, a, as a standalone, this is the thing. It's not a demo, it's the thing thing. It's a tricky question to answer. I don't have a final end goal. It's, it's more of like an infinite list of could you add this type requirements and it's kind of got this open-ended uh, thing going on about it. So basically I'm going to spend my time as much as I can free time doing as many kind of cool things for it that I can. So uh, if, if people one day stop, you know, making requests on, you know, what they'd like to see or what, what could be added or, you know, if I feel like my, my, my initial vision that I had for the projects fulfills, um, then I, I guess I'd, I'd, I'd stop with it, but, uh, I don't, I don't see that in the short term anyways. Yeah. I think there's plenty more that I could do. And even when I got that down, you know, it, it perpetuates, right. I mean, like, you know, Chrome or Firefox themselves, right. Like these mm-hmm. are ongoing projects, even though they've got the, uh, the main program down, right. Yeah. They're constantly maintained and stuff. So yeah, software's funny that way, right? Yeah, thank you for answering that question that, you know, I, it, it actually, op- yeah, opened my, my eyes to that to that aspect of developing, you know, it's not, it's not like game. It's not like a game where you, where you actually officially release the game and then you patch it up as you go along. But no, this is an ongoing, and then you're built. And it's even more exciting to me because I think you're building something huge could, could potentially be huge because the list can, could never end or it could, who knows how far that list will go. So that's super exciting for me. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I started off calling this an internet browser, but even that name might not be completely appropriate for uh, my my vision of it. It's it's almost like a uh, like a platform that allows people to easily get into um, creating VR environments, um, basically, and uh, being able to easily share those with others and and you know put them, you know connect connect those experiences to other people in a very easy and sort of streamlined way 
So let's let's break it down a bit. Let's 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 role play a little bit. Let's say I am. Uh, we'll put this is. Uh, we're having this conversation 12 months into the future. I'm your average Joe off the street, and I'm gonna ask you, why should I use uh, why why should I use Firebox or whatever we're gonna call it in the future, uh, over over my Chrome browser right now? What what value are you giving me uh, that I can get from your software that I'm not getting from Chrome? Hmm. So you, you mean you're, you're 12 months in the future Chrome browser, which is the same paradigm, 2D pages and so on? Yeah. So how would you convince me, a layman off the street, that this is uh, what you're creating, what what VR can, off, can, can offer is way better? Hmm. Well, then I, I, I guess I'd have to appeal to the uh, particular situations, those use cases that uh, having a 3D browser, if you will, are ideal for. Porn. Um, so, sorry, Hey, I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I had to say it, man. (laughs) It's an average man off the street, dude, dude, the porn is going to be amazing in there. Trust me. Bam. I bought it. All right. Like it's over, but no, please. I want to know your answer for real. Uh, Right. Well, you know, (laughs) to to, to that note, I, I kind of, maybe that's, that's an assumption of my own. That's, that's, that's not a good one, but I kind of presume that people will assume on their own and that unsaid that. If they choose to use it in such a way that that that, that use case could be there, but um, <laughs> aside from that, uh, yeah, at any at any time, uh, you know, being able to have a have an appreciation of you know three dimensional geometry, and that, that that's that's very broad in scope. Like I, I alluded to like, you know, molecular and protein visualization where, you know, they have these specific intricate 3D structures that are most appreciable, you know, being able to like actually look around, inspect and view them. Um, I see the collaborative browsing as huge. I mean, you know, is it great that you kind of can go on to like, let's use the Amazon product example, right? Like mm-hmm. we go and we look at the, I look at that coat and there might be comments by people, but you know, those aren't people that were actually there. It might be a ghost town. They might have been there, you know, like a month ago or something like that. Or uh, you don't know who the, who you're dealing with on the other end. You know, maybe there, maybe some it's some someone actually pushing that product or something. Whereas yeah. being able to actually meet someone in a, in a sort of VR space, and I'm actually thinking of the extension of the technology too. So you know, you can actually speak with them. Maybe you have gesture with your hands, right? So I'm, I'm picturing in 12 months also the the inputs more rich. It's it's not just the HMD itself, um, but you could actually have like uh, an exchange, you know, uh, a communication with someone else nice. that uh, that would be a lot more rich than on you know two D Chrome browser in the future. Hmm. Uh, I mean, that alludes, I guess, to you know the idea of like Facebook and their acquisition too. People are going to want to socialize in these environments. Um, you know, like these these places, like again, like they allude to still crash, like you know the guy's basement with the video games, or maybe you're on a tower, maybe you're in Paris, you know, you're looking at this restaurant or whatever, you know, yeah. you know, had a virtual date or something. I don't know. Uh, there's so many potential. It's 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 there's so many possibilities. Um, I, I think that's that's it. Maybe that's not a very good answer, but uh, but it works. I know, and I I see it for sure because I th- I think that people will definitely develop a, 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 an, appreci- an appreciation for graphics that we don't get right now since we just see them from 10 feet away on a you know on, on a on a flat screen you know it's it's not the same you know when 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 I look at Mario 64 for example if from a regular TV it's it's 
I've seen, you know, I see it and if you, and it's a nice experience, but it's, but it, but to feel it from the inside, from to, to be inside Kokiri Forest, for example, the Zelda VR experience that uh, Dark Akuma created, that is, there's, there's something happening visceral inside of me that I can't explain when I'm in there. It's, it's completely different. Like, I, you know, it's like looking at, you know video games uh, of the past and and then you start playing them in your memory of how, what they used to look like back in the day is you know they used to look a lot better um but but with right. with but with vr and with, with firebox eventually th this will be something that people won't take for granted as much i i, I think graphic art uh and and creation of 3d worlds those the people who create those 3d worlds and those artists and those designers they, I don't think they get enough credit for the amount of work they they put out there. I mean, and no, I think it's no. yeah, and I think it's because the world isn't up to scale. Like I don't, you know, I don't think people will appreciate Skyrim uh, as much uh, viewing it from a flat screen than they would from within. Um, so for that matter, I think that uh, I think graphic artists are gonna have a boom in in their in their in their demand for them because I think. More and more people are gonna are gonna want more uh, 3D experiences, hmm. but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I mean that that that's a hard. You can't objectively say though, like that's the reason. That's like your kind of subjective. Like I, I agree with you. I guess I have like a deep need to want to be inside these environments, in, in these worlds, as close to sort of feeling the situation as possible. Uh, that's 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 a huge sell for me. But you know, it's hard to say in an objective sense. What's the extra value that that gives you? Yeah. Um, other than to say, it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> At what point are we gonna see ads on uh, on, on 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 your on your web browser? Event? I mean, is this is that, is that is that something that you're thinking ahead of time? Have, is that is that something that crossed your mind? Because I mean, you, you know, you the current paradigm is you got Chrome and you got Mozilla. I don't know if Mozilla makes money from ads. Actually, I should ch I should double check that. But I think that I, I read recently they may be switching to that model. Really, actually, as a means of funding. I, I, I read that article. Don't quote me for sure on it, but I, I recall reading that. That yeah. So what's your take on that? Uh, what's what's my take on it? Um, I mean, I don't think that uh, advertising is wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. I believe in at least you know covering the costs of you know development or you know maintaining something. I mean, they are people are providing like services in a sense, right? So yeah. There's something that they're giving. You know that's a value to you that you that you get right. So, I mean, it's fair that they try to you know at least recoup the costs that it took to provide that service to you. Um, mm -hmm. That seems very fair to me. But yeah, I'm I'm on that side where, um, yeah, people people, you know, if they do good work, they should be rewarded for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. So. Uh, I, I, you know, when you're when you're young and you're strapped for cash and stuff, you want everything to be free. But like the real world, it, it won't operate that way. Uh, you need you need to put you know money behind things to to make things happen. Mm -hmm. So um, the fact that they're turning to that Madonna, whatever they were doing in place before that, whether they were just getting uh, you know just people donating money to the cause or whatever, maybe the cessation of those funds, something's happening there. They have to turn to this or. You know, maybe they're growing as a company. They who who knows the reason? Uh, I'm not against it. I mean, it all it all depends on how they execute that advertisement. Like if it's like right in your face and stuff like that. Yeah, wow. it, it's funny to think about the yeah the grander implications. Like people fear this this Facebook thing because like you know once they have that once you have the eye tracking, 
they know like exactly where you are and the, what you're looking at and you looked at it for X seconds and like, like, like they're actually like wired into your like senses, like the level of their knowledge on like how you'll react to the ads that they're like feeding you as a stimulus. Mm-hmm. Like it's, 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 if you go really deep on it, it's, it, it actually is a scary thought for sure. Yeah. It's fucking um, creepy. <laughs> so that, I'm playing, I'm playing both sides, right? Like, so the, maybe the Mozilla having the graphic in the corner where that's an approved graphic is fine. But yeah, on the other side of the spectrum, that's, I'm not saying all advertising is good. Mm-hmm. You could be horrendous, um, with the amount of, and if you picture the, you know, the advancement, like you said, eye tracking and so on, how horrendously, um, intrusive, that that could be yeah I, mean, uh, I guess there's this quoted uh, that you know we were living in a culture of non-privacy there's some sort of quotation like this but i don't i don't believe this at all i mean i, I maybe for your business model but uh i i respect having my privacy yeah i, uh, I would want to be like yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah i agree no i i still keep my toilet in the bathroom i you know that's that's this I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what the privacy is all about i think it's the thing that makes us human you know what's one of the things that makes us human is the ability that we're all that we, that we all can hold that value of who we are our identity to ourselves and 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 here's the thing about advertising it's just it doesn't bother me that you are going to sell me ads it bothers me that you know the terms and conditions change without my knowledge, or you make the fine print hella small and super and use legalese, and I don't understand what the fuck I'm trying. I'm right. I'm, I'm trying to uh, accept, but I'm gonna accept that anyway because I want to talk to my my family uh, over Skype or over Facebook chat, whatever. It's the thing that it, it that. You know, the thing that bothers me at the end of the day is the fact that they're going to use, and I mean advertisers and, and the NSA, they're going to use the data from all the aggregate data of everyone looking at products and going around doing the metaverse, being the thing, you know, being human inside the metaverse, and they're going to aggregate it, and they're going to use big data models to analyze and figure out humanity more, and they're going to use it as a tool of social control because Orwell was Sesame Street compared to what they're doing now. And it's just, I don't know, it just feels weird. And it, it feels like it's not a democracy if you're not asking me if this is okay. And you're not asking me if this is okay. And that's not cool with me. Like, that's, I don't know, it just feels weird, man. It's just, I can't get over that. I can't get over the privacy thing. I'm, I think this is where I make my stand. I'm not against advertisers. That's the thing. I just don't want, I just, I just want to make sure that it's clear that you're, you know, that you make it super clear to me that, hey, I'm watching what you're looking at so I can sell you better shit. And then I, you give me the choice. I, I want the choice. All right, all right. I, I don't want you to look at what I'm looking at because I'm a perv, and I don't want my girlfriend to find out on my history that I'm looking at, you know, rabbit porn or horses having sex with mules. I, I, I don't. Sure, but <laughs> but here's the th- yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, I I want those things for myself. So how do you know? I mean, as as you as a developer, as someone who's creating. Because here's the thing, and I'm sorry for yeah. getting ranty. Um, your app no, I like it. it's good. Is, 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 if there was one app that went hand in hand in my mind with advertisers, I would say is yours. Um, but how do you, and how will you in the future balance that, that, balance that out, that, that, that conflict between creepy and appropriate? Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's funny you mentioned on, on the advertising front, I did have one guy email. He's like, could you add the equivalent of iframes to this? So like I can put a Coke can inside my room 
And that Coke can will inhabit this like 3D box, but that'll actually report to Coca-Cola.com that you went in that room at that time. And that can, by being there, acts as an advertisement. Could you put that in? Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> uh, technologically, yeah, it's, it's possible. Uh, so, yeah, like if, if you think in, in a virtual world, I mean, because a computer must necessarily control and dictate the rules of like kind of who goes where and what and how this happens, it's potential that if you go through a cent- central server for all of this. It's, it's like as big brother as you could possibly get. You'll know who you're talking to every moment, all that, your input, you know, the axis, your, your head rotation, this level of detail. And like at every sort of, you know, timestamp that they would ever want it, right? So I could just like record your entire social history and claim to know everything about you just by the network of people that you ever experienced. And that could all be recorded. Like, just imagine, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but, uh, where was I going to go with it? The other, the other side of it. Um, yeah, in terms of Firebox itself, um, the, the, the nature of it, I guess I'm going with kind of like open and like decentralized kind of uh, way that it works. Like when you hop around HTTP servers on the Internet, they're all different machines that you're communicating with. So they may, and I mean, it's, it's, it's turning out not to be like this as other companies. I, I could talk about that too, right? Mm-hmm. But there's basically like a brotherhood of like, you know, corporations that basically share the cookies that they're depositing on your browser as you go from site to site or the little Facebook embedded likes you know, the moment you look at that, that tracks on Facebook that, you know, they know all the pages that you're going to kind of thing. Hmm. So, uh, with, with Firebox though, uh, I think a couple things are that I, I am keeping it decentralized. You're not forced to go through a main sort of server. There's nothing fundamentally recording you. You only kind of request to who you want to connect with. Uh, but secondly, uh, to, to keep people's, I guess, trust or whatever, keeping like an open source model, would probably be would do the best because people could actually verify that the program is you know doing all the things that I'm claiming that it does. Yeah. So I uh, and you know like I think these projects Chrome and Firefox you can get these the the, the code for them kind of thing. Um. Well, so that's that's important. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, please, please, please. Well, yeah, just to, just to kind of keep, you know, use open technologies, keep open models, you know, but even then that's not flawless, like, you know, this open SSL heart bleed thing that happened, yeah. right? Like, I guess a guy contributed a patch that caused it not to do, you know, bounds checking on some buffer, and lo and behold, 64K of data is available to you or whatever, right? But, uh, so there's, you know, there's no, there's no perfect safeguards to prevent malicious um, things from happening, but you know, it's also the nature and fun of it. Like in Snow Crash Two, you know, the guy presents you with this visual virus and like kills the guy on the other end. It's just so stimulating or whatever. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's kind of sounds fun for me. Too, yeah, it wouldn't be stuff. it wouldn't be fun if it wasn't crazy. Uh, it's definitely. I mean, if we step back a little bit, what are we doing? We're using the internet to we are materializing the internet right before our eyes, and we're browsing information that is stored in zeros and ones somewhere. Like. That's that's crazy to me if you just step back, but it's so fun to, to see where it's going, what it's doing. It's just, absolutely, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> but I love it, man. <laughs> yeah, like whether 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 Firebox is a hit or anything else comes out of people, I, I like love seeing all the things that people are doing on it. Like I just want to see that progress, and, you know. And I guess it reminds me a bit of Palmer Lucky's plight in the beginning, where he's like, you know, I wanted this sick VR HMD and I looked around and everything was like really pricey or like really crap in terms of the FOV available so on and so forth and I kind of did my own little bit looking around I was like you know is there like 3D VR browsers and there's stuff in the past that never took off it's like I I just want to maybe make the one that I would want to use you know nice so I'm just I I went ahead on that that was part of the motivation behind the, the project yeah 
Very cool. That, uh, I, I think it's the only one kind of of its of its kind right now. So certainly, that's you know catering to the Oculus Rift device as like sort of a you know first class citizen or whatever in the <laughs> terms of that. Yeah. Anyway, what is your uh, what's your favorite favorite Mega Man game? Oh, dude, Mega Man! I I love Mega Man. Uh, I got in on Mega Man Two. So I could say maybe from Maximal Nostalgia 2, but really the game that I maybe liked the best where I was like, oh, yeah, and I was in love with it. Yeah. And I had to see anime about it. Maybe it was Mega Man X. For the yes. Yes. Yeah, dude. That was the best. Dude. Dude. All <laughs> I'd right. Be I'd be lying to you right now if I didn't say I had, like, the uh, the MIDI files for all the songs on my computer right now. Wow. Yeah, I I played uh, I played Mega Man. I, I think they really they must have had because I remember playing it on my on my Nintendo DS in college, and I was just I, I remember going going to class and in the back playing Mega Man X, you know, putting that yeah. state of California tax money to work. Uh, but it was uh it was awesome, man. <laughs> I loved I loved Mega Man X. Um, are we X gonna see awesome. a Mega Man game uh, from from Capcom or anyone? Because this is the thing that I've been paying a little bit of attention to it, and there's a lot of controversy because they what really they fired uh, Kenji and Fume, Fune. I think that's old news. But what's what's up with Ma Mega Man these days? Do you know? Uh, I stopped. I was really big into the Mega Man when I was like 16. I actually went to Japan and I like bought copies of like I think it was like Mega Man X6, and I don't even think you could buy it domestically at the time. But I have like a Japanese copy of like Mega Man X6 for PlayStation. Nice. So, but then beyond that, when they went with like the you know I don't even know the names of the new ones, but they're the ones where Mega Man looks really really cutesy and animated. You know, he, he was he didn't look like badass like X did. Yeah. I I kind of I kind of stopped there. Yeah. With the yeah, I so think, I know which ones I, I you're don't talking know how to about. Date that when yeah. it happened, but like Mega Man Battle Networks and so on and so forth. This is kind of when I fell out. I followed Same the Mega Man like the original series, X series, and I think that was the that's all she wrote there. So yeah, I gave I gave Battle Networks a, a shot, and I just I was like, man, what am I playing here? I, don't, I just didn't feel I didn't feel right. Uh, Mega Man. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, I, if if I had to choose uh, two Mega Man games that I would be stuck on a desert island with, it would be Mega Man X for sure, and Mega Man for the uh, for the PlayStation, the one that was a, an actual 3D game. That was a fun Mega Man game. I don't know if you got to try. Oh that one. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do know that one. You wander around in hallways and blast and stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was totally one... different mechanics going on there, but. Uh... Yeah. Do you see? Uh, do you envision a Mega Man style game uh, used on the on the Rift in VR? Do you think that uh, it could be, you know, at least those mechanics of? Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, like um, like I don't know if you. I think there's like this. You know, I, I'm also a fan of like the Metroid series, Super yep. Metroid, and so on. They yep. did one for I think N64. It was like a 3D Super Metroid game. Yeah. And uh, I think even Cymatic Bruce did it on his stream too. But like, yeah, you could actually kind of first person it uh, via some plugin on the emulator or whatever, but you could get the, uh, you know, the rifts, you know, the actual perspective and like, you'd actually have an arm can and Sam's arm can and blasting these guys and stuff. And it looked like he was having a blast with it. I never tried it personally, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think definitely you could do a, you could do a cool Mega Man game. It would actually be pretty sick if you had like, you know, some kind of PlayStation move, like controller, razor hydra like thing where you could actually like control his arm can and charge it up, and psh, psh, you know, definitely. Shoot stuff. Yeah, and and make sure you add that sound effect every time you every time you shoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is uh? Did you get to try out the Metroid games during the GameCube era? Uh, no. Uh, oh, I didn't. I didn't actually stick with Nintendo beyond the N sixty four. I hopped. I jumped ship. I guess to PlayStation because I would got into Final Fantasy more so, and all the games were coming out over there. So 
Yeah, Final Fantasy. How many hours did you put into those guys? Oh, easily, you know, you know the, the standard 50 to 80 per, I'd say. What was yeah. your favorite Final Fantasy game? <laughs> We're going all over with the questions. Yeah, man, uh, this is what I do. <laughs> oh, man, I, I'd have to say uh, 7, dude. I, 7 was the most impactful. Wow, a I classic. I, I like Yeah, 7 was probably the my favorite one. Do you go yeah. back to it nowadays? Uh, did they make a re HD remix? I feel like they they must have, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. There've been a couple over the years, actually. Yeah, one which was largely the same. I think had a higher resolution, but then yeah, I think even more recently they've updated the textures and stuff. Like Cloud looked like a couple cubes stuck together when you were walking around in the non-battle scenes and stuff like that. Yeah. So <laughs> the graphics were really crude, right? So Yeah, it's just it's uh, it's hilarious because I remember those games back in the day and my memories of them uh back in the day were just whoa, this is amazing. These and then I look at them now and I'm like, whoa, cavemen made these. Holy crap. It's crazy. It's just our 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 uh how do you say our expectations of graphical uh, fidelity has fidelity. have yeah. been uh, extremely skewed over the past few years, and then they're only going to get worse. I, I feel like, um, yeah, yeah. yeah well, it was, it was kind of you had to look around, like what was on the market at that time, right? So, like seven Final Fantasy VII's graphics maybe might not have been great, but they did have these pre-rendered environments that were just sort of two D images, mm -hmm. and the three D that they did have, like in the battle scenes, looked sharp at the time, right? So yeah. it's all it's all relative, right? What was the last great video game that you got to play? Last great video game. Hmm. Let's see. Great video game. I'm big on MMOs. I like MMOs, but uh, they kind of follow the same kind of formula lately, like your Guild Wars 2, the new Final Fantasy MMO. I haven't tried Elder Scrolls Online yet, but I picture it kind of being a real similar kind of experience. Um, maybe one that I put like tons and tons of time into I thought was Skyrim. I thought Skyrim was pretty fantastic. That was an immersive world even without wearing a rift, you know? I agree. That was one that I could get lost in. Really enjoyed, uh, yeah, the Bethesda games are really, really awesome. Even Oblivion 2 was like really awesome when I first played it. Huge into those ones. Yeah, Bethesda seems to be one of those studios uh, that, in my mind, can't seem to do can't do can do no wrong at at this point. It's just their the the way their craftsmanship it's just uh, so good. Uh, I put in I, I put in not, not too many hours into Skyrim I, because I, I was hanging out with a coworker one day and he was telling me how he put it in. He was like, "Yeah, four hundred hours into Skyrim, man, and I'm still going at That's it." That's crazy. And I'm just like. Oh, dude, that's... I have to kill, kill every bear in Skyrim or whatever, you know? <laughs> what's, what's his motivation still? Like, I, wow, 400 I, hours, that's a lot. He wants to make sure he sees every pixel, uh, every polygon. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, 400 hours, that scared me. I was like, fuck, because it's a good game, and I know myself. I'm, I'm going to get in there, and I, and I want to have, have a bit of a social life. Um, that's the thing about Skyrim for me, man. I, I, I wish... Uh, I really, really wish they can make a, a Skyrim in VR that is that is that that is social or multiplayer or co-op wise. You know, I, I want to go around slaying dragons with my grandpa and my little cousins because uh, that's what we do in Battlefield. But I'd like to do it in VR with Skyrim. Um, is there for for you personally? Do you have a a personal you know wish list inside your heart that you keep you know nice and uh, locked in there that you want of games or experiences that you would love to see for VR? That haven't been created yet. 
I was one of the guys who was actually like huge on like getting Skyrim to work in the Rift and saying like I tried it, it's awesome, and I got it working. And I actually did have some measure of success using the uh, Vareo drivers, you know, the oh, nice. uh, meant to be seen 3D and stuff. Yeah. And you know, actually kind of doing these little changes in the settings to get the UI to be kind of functional. Uh, but I just I love those games though, where yeah, they kind of to touch on Bethesda, why their games are great. Like they pay such attention to the detail. Like, you know, we could add cooking into the game, but like, who's going to care about cooking? Well, maybe someone will. It adds depth to that universe that they cared about. Like, Oh, let's like make a bread or, you know, like something that would seem inane normally, but Mm -hmm. that combination, that collection of all those elements together really, uh, enrich, enrich the world. And I also love like, you know, open ended freedom sandbox style gameplay too. Like the fact that you can, you know, make decisions or, you know, you know, you just you have like a mischievous smile and you're like, I want to screw with this something right now, you know? So like maybe you just like, you know, shoot a guard in the village or whatever, then run off and just see what you can get away with. Just, you know, cause shit, you know, just disrupt <laughs> things and just see what will happen. How will this game react to what I'm doing? Um, so I, I, I love when games have complex systems in place to deal with that kind of dynamic uh, behavior where it's not really just, you know, very linear, not open. Uh, yeah. That's why I like MMOs because of the you know dynamics with players, multiplayer. But you know games like Skyrim hold my interest for a while because they they re- you can go really deep with them. Nice. They they have a really appreciation for that. Yeah. No, they do, so. they really do, and it's uh yeah you, I I feel like uh when our generation gets really old, we are we will hail this these these accomplishments, these video game accomplishments as art. I, I think they're the Shakespearean Shakespearean novels of our time. Uh, because mm-hmm. you know it's it's just it's storytelling has has just kept evolving uh, that way. Uh, yeah, you could picture Skyrim as being like the most awesome novel you ever read. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my you know but you didn't you you experienced it right exactly and and it's and you're a participant in it. What more could you want? You know, for me, books are insanely immersive. You know, if you just a good book, you you know if if your imagination just goes wild, but but. I feel like VR and, and video games I, I could take storytelling to a whole new level. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. it's it just leaving, liberating your brain from having to do the cognitive processing of doing the imagining and using mm-hmm. that extra space slash cognitive processing power for something else like empathy or decision making or emotions that will arise from these experiences of the future. Uh, what if, if I had a time machine and I said, James, you have a one-way ticket to go 500 years into the future or 500 years into the past, but it's a one-way ticket. You can't come back. Which one would you choose? Can I stay in the present? <laughs> no, uh, the Earth is about to blow up. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> well if the Earth is about to blow up, probably 500 years in the future ain't the way to oh, go. Oh, you got me there. Hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on. All right. There is a viral infection that is killing oh. 99% of the population, and you're the only one. And we gave you uh, a, a freezer full of uh, eggs uh, that are frozen, ready to be. And, and you're you're the ark. You have your, and we're gonna give you the so, ability to give birth to humans when you uh, go go back in the past or in the future. So is is it just singularly like a population of women, and I'll be singularly responsible for you know repopulating the race in five hundred years in the future? Or yeah, let's do that. Okay, well, that's the obvious choice then. Don't go go that route and have rampant procreation, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it, so, well, yeah, you want to keep us probably technologically grounded again, right? But so, if you wanted um, to be a tourist, would you? If, and you, let's say you did have the option to come back, would you go be a tourist in the 500 years ago or, or 500 years away from now? Well, I want to. I probably want to go into the future because of the potential and the growth. I mean, that's that's seeing it from yeah, you know the. From from the good point of view that there's not going to be huge civil unrest or you know sort of you know massive ecological concerns and and, and so forth, uh, I'd go 500 years in the future to see, to see how man progressed. I mean, ho hoping, assuming that that was the case. Um, yeah. What happened 500 years ago has already been it's already known and and, and finished. Yeah, um, that and malaria I mean, was probably running rampant. You don't want to catch malaria. I actually feel guilty. I've thought about this exercise. If I go 500 years in the past and I had to be like singularly responsible for the retelling of the sum of human knowledge that occurred 500 years beyond that point, I'd be like, oh man, I really should have studied like so much subject so much harder. <laughs> I really can't explain anything to that level of detail. Or it's like, you know, like a computer, like how does it work? It's like, oh my God, I don't know. Like a vacuum tube way back when, I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm not a computer engineer, you know? So if you had, did I say anything? <laughs> Yeah. If you had one, I know that penicillin comes from some fungus. Start start screwing with mushrooms. I don't know. You know? <laughs> That's a good one. Start screwing with mushrooms. Well, you'll get something out of it. What do you think yeah. uh, is so? So, if you had one sentence, one sentence to tell the people of the of the past about the future, what would you say to them? years uh, uh, from ago, I would tell them uh, about today, I would say, um, in one sentence, uh, you have no fucking idea what's going to happen. <laughs> That's all. And then bam. Because there is, I mean, uh, how could how could a human being encompass, how could I encompass what's going to happen in one sentence? I don't know. You could say something like, you know, the whole world will be mapped out and anyone anywhere will be able to talk to anyone anywhere else or something like that. And they'll be like, uh, burn this man at the stake. He's her he's a heretic. <clears throat> oh, oh, you mean, you mean what, would I, what would I say 500 years in the past for the purpose of self-preservation, right? So I'm not construed as being a witch. Well, yeah, that could, that could work too. <laughs> All right. Pull out yeah, your yeah. iPhone. You have no fucking idea what's going to happen. <laughs> 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 oh man! I, I I I might I might go with oh most respectfully oh dear king or current monarch or leader of the place that I'm in I humbly request you not guillotine me or whatever the whatever it looks like is going on but uh yeah I don't know is is even technology the most important thing you'd want to talk about in terms of advancement 500 years in the future I might say there's a lot more potential peace and security to be had and I mean. I mean, probably 500 years ago, you had to worry about, you know, yourself at all at all times of the day and your life expectancy. You know, we're not living to be 80, we're living to be, you know, 30, 40 kind of thing. That's an interesting... You could, you could, 
No. But that was an interesting point you yeah. brought up that, that, that yeah, we live in, a, in an era of peace. It, yes, it, and I agree that there's definitely less people die less of violence today than there, than, 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 than there ever has been before in the past. Considering, even considering that there's the Syrian civil war and how there's, you know, the whole Crimea thing, everything. I mean, it's, it's, we're still relatively safer and, and live in relative peace. Is that a, is that, is that a factor of our technology? I mean, could I argue that because of, for example, te the technology of nuclear weapons, we've sort of, you know, come to the conclusion that having wars between great superpowers or nuclear powers would be extremely crazy and and completely, uh, how do you say, counterproductive. Uh, is is that technology or is that humanity at this point doing the reasoning? <laughs> We're going on well subjects well beyond my expertise here um <laughs> so i'm sharing you know opinions only um uh yeah i guess you know if you will cold war type stuff where we you know have reached nuclear arms and have come to some sort of stalemate where if anyone makes a move we all we all die a la war games when the computer has that epiphany uh you know this movie it's like late 80s i think um it's war games yeah yeah but uh Is it, is it humanity? I mean, I would say even back 500 years ago, everyone probably still had their sense of humanity, right? But mm -hmm. it's um, the choices that you make given the, the situation that you're in that uh, dictate things. So now we have more abundance and much more freedom and we're, we have an ability to make more humane choices in a sense. You don't need to always make that choice that, you know, promotes your personal life. You have the, you have the freedom to, you know, think about the greater good and stuff a little bit more. Do you think uh, about the singularity much, by the way? Uh, <laughs> not as it's portrayed in the media, no. What, what <laughs> do you think that? Uh, yeah, some ahead. people predict it's happening in the ten to twenty years, and I'm I'm not I'm not on board with that. Uh, what's this movie that's coming out with Johnny Depp? It's going to be about uh, transcendence. transcendence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, singularity. I don't know. I I I see it more as like a singularity in the sense of individuals coming together and collaborating. Uh, on the subject of politics, again, there's, you know, there's cool ideas and movements towards having sort of like open governments where, you know, but there's also really, there's a lot of issues there in, in terms of equal representation for individuals and things like this. But uh, um, singularities in the sense of, of, you know, numerous humans coming together with common goals. But I mean, that's already kind of happening if you look at certain things. It's all very abstract um, stuff talking about yeah i i i realize yeah. we are but you know that, that's an in, i a hundred percent agree in terms of your definition of the singularity is exactly mine i think we are telekinetically connected because i think that it just in the same way you know singular i feel like it's not singular as in you know the kurzweil in uh, theory is that it's going to be the point at which machines will be able to replicate other machines smarter than themselves yeah, if, uh, don't quote me on that but it, what i think and it really will mean is the singularity uh, of, of it's a unison of the human minds that are connected tethered to the internet and and i think that you and it's a process i think the singularity is a process and you are you are part of that process you are building the singularity because people will connect to this internet where 
you know, a Reddit, I think, is, is, is an example of a predecessor to the singularity where people come to one mind through the upvote system. Um, and, and, and humanity, the, con the collective consciousness of humanity gets expressed through the Internet. I, I think that's what the singularity uh, might mean for now. But then again, who, what the fuck am I talking about? It's just, you know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's, it's kind of people coming together based on sort of ideas or, or, or movements or beliefs or whatever the thing is going on in their brain at the time. And, you know, communities form and it's very easy to form them because of this, uh, you know, the Internet as, a, as this medium to, to bring people who are like minded together. Um, How? To one singular purpose, I doubt it. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously there'll be little camps and groups of people who have interest in specific subjects, whatever they, they may be. Uh, you, you, you do me a great honor and, 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 and probably what great exaggeration maybe in suggesting I'm, I'm working on technology to somehow, you know, singularly, uh, unify or bring together all people or whatever to some common goal. But, uh, yeah, you're more of a dreamer than I am, I think. Eh? Dude, I, I, yeah, I am, I have not yet met someone who has matched the level of dreamingness that I have. So, <laughs> I, and I say that with pride <laughs> because, it, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not scared uh, to dream. I, I really, or, or to imagine the, the, the craziest things that could happen. Um, because to be frank, I, you know, what is worse to, to hold back and not, and not say anything because for all I know, I mean, we live in a world where Dennis Rodman will visit North Korea, a world where, you know, I mean, it's just the crazy. Some of the things that are happening in reality as we speak are, are just insane. It's just, is this science fiction? Is this fiction? No, it's happening right now. And so, uh, for me to say that yes, you might be uh, some Johnny Johnny Depp will be playing your character one day in a movie. I, I think that you know, it's it's crazy. Yes, I agree. Uh, but it's not impossible in the grand scheme of things because you never know. Um, it's you never know this this thing called like you know the internet is just so uh underestimated i think people people don't really quite capture how important the internet is and now we're about to materialize the internet right before our eyes making it more accessible for the common man you know really i think that uh in my view uh there is going to be a revolutionary change it's i'm not scared to say that i think uh, but it, it will take a, a process and a progress um and you're part of it so and it might not be that you know as insane when i say revolutionary I, i'm not saying it's like holy shit the world's gonna flip upside down it's gonna be like uh what cars did to the horse you know slowly but surely the horse came out to get replaced so mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. <laughs> what's your uh, what's your take on uh, the current paradigm of, of 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 browsing the internet and 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 just you know going back to Firefox and all that good stuff? You know, what's your take on the current paradigm of of browsing the internet? And I know I, I'm taking you all over the place, yeah. But uh, you know, is is there something missing in your opinion yet that you want to make sure? Is it a Short and skinny. Is there a a, a a problem or a pain that you're trying to solve from the from the old paradigm? Well, uh, 
I see the need that a lot of people want to create, um, you know, three-dimensional VR-like environments of their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people, you know, already know kind of how to work their way around VR and HTML or, you know, just simple sort of scripting-like languages. So there's a really low barrier entry for them to be able to create these environments mm-hmm. versus, you know, going to like a dedicated game engine. They have a real easy, you know, very easy way to sort of share things. They don't have to compile code, make it platform dependent. They merely stick it on an HTTP server somewhere and provide someone a link. I mean, that's that's as easy as you can get in terms of being able to distribute and share these worlds. Uh, I see collaborative browsing, but the idea of you know, being in a virtual space and kind of adventuring through it with someone else or as a group is potentially very cool. Um, using leveraging open you know existing technologies kind of empowering people giving them the ability to create i think that's something greater that firebox offers versus any sort of stock riff demo someone might download they might experience it consume it that they're done but you know firebox this, this project is actually more of a you know a means to create actually it, it actually is open-ended it's uh and maybe that's the same reason games like minecraft have such great appeal is because the people themselves use it to, to build things in their imagination kind of thing. So it empowers people uh, to, to build and to create. Um, there are certain experiences that, that, you know, Firebox will be better for than viewing in a 2D browser, just, you know, projected onto sort of some rectangular plane. And, uh, you know, those are, the, those are the kinds of experiences where you'll want to feel like you're within the world because of that. Uh, you know, value that, that you perceive, you know, things this way. And, uh, I mean, certainly you can also do three-dimensional visualization projected on a computer screen, but, you know, I think Oculus is right in saying one of the great advantages of the Rift is this sense of scale that we get as a result of this sort of stereopsis going on in our brains, that you can make objects at different scales and actually perceive them at that scale. So, you know, all those all those little pieces are all wins for their own their own different reasons. So, uh, but yeah, hol- holistically, I think I'm just doing something else altogether, you know. Yeah, I, I so, yeah, yeah. No, I like the in the, like the fact that you are you are carving out your own path here uh, in, into an uncharted market, uh, into an uncharted frontier of technology and humanity. Um, so, so with that being said, you know, well said. I, I'm 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 sold on Firebox. So, so, so I'll definitely <laughs> I'll be following uh, I'll be following you every 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 move you make, everything you say, everything. Wow, that came out weird. Why did I say it that way? Um, but everything you do, I'm gonna. I know, I know, I know. You can sing better than that. It's, it's <laughs> pressure of you. I know you can belt it out if you want yeah. to. So what is, uh, you know, how can people stay in touch, all that good stuff? How, how can people follow what you're doing? How can people uh, support you? All, all that good stuff. All right. So this is probably the appropriate time to discuss the name change. Ooh. <laughs> right, right. So uh, since I started as a personal project, I thought Firebox was a pretty kind of hilarious and, and cool name because it plays on Mozilla's Firefox, right? Mm-hmm. But the idea is that these rooms originally were like these really boxy like shapes, so Firebox, ha ha ha. Uh, but uh, you know, if I do, I'm I am becoming more serious with this, putting time into it, and you know, want to start up a website, have a presence for it, develop it. Uh, that that name's not going to suffice well for sort of trademark related uh, issues. So I've been taking a lot of. Uh, on the Firebox current Reddit site, I've been taking feedback on suggestions for new names. And, uh, you know, some people have actually suggested going the sort of Greek and Latin 
like uh, name on the name. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been thinking about that a lot, looking into you know this sort of Roman and Greek mythology and stuff like that. Wanted to pick something appropriate, but that I haven't really seen anywhere before. So I've converged on the name uh, Janus, and so uh, either maybe I'll call the project Janus 3D or Janus VR. So the idea with the name Janus, J-A-N-U-S, is that um, it's is it's in Roman mythology, not Greek mythology. But the base word is January. So January, the beginning of the year represents kind of a change going from one year to another, sort of the passage of time. And, but in particular, if you look at a, an image of Janus, it's actually this, you look it up on Wikipedia now, it's like this this head, but it's got sort of faces on the front and on the back. Mm. And uh, in a sort of immediate way, the way, sort of way a portal kind of peers into two rooms at once from either side you're on. I saw like an immediate analogy there. This idea, and actually, this Janus figure, you know, represents you know gates, doors, passages, uh, things like that. So it seems super uh, appropriate and, and, and very cool. So I think I'm going to go with yeah, Janus, Janus VR, Janus 3D. So I'll be having to get that domain and then make that happen, kind of thing. Wow! <laughs> right now, it's it's not available yet, but yeah. Well, well, there you go. There's the official announcement. The uh, Firebox has now been changed to Janus, uh, Janus either 3D or Jan- Janus VR. Stay, stay in tune. Stay tuned for for what it's gonna come out to be. I love the name. I actually think that it's uh, quite appropriate uh, that you're using this uh, Roman mythological figure and uh, you're putting so much thought into it. I- I- I'm looking forward to the day when Janus becomes a verb, like Google, uh, Google it, you know, Janus it. Um, because that's uh, that, that's going to be a thing eventually, um, definitely. Uh, but this this naming game is really hard. You know, you got to pick not something too long, complicated spell, so on and so forth. So I think I struck a good balance on that. Like you can remember Janus versus like Day Dallas was another one, which is cool, which is about you know he built Icarus's wings and he's known for making these like three D mazes and stuff. But Day Dallas is longer. You know, it's got that A E in it, harder to spell, so on and so forth. And I don't know. But yeah, one of the fundamental parts of Firebox is this notion of these portals, these doorways to seamlessly connect you. Like it's almost like a tear in space to take you from one place to the next, and uh, it really fits. I think it really fits. So. And I, you know, I yeah. like it a lot. No, I'm look, dude. This so is. You awesome. are. Yeah, you're the first person I've, I've, I'm really relaying this information to. So. What yeah. an honor! <laughs> I am. I'm truly honored. I really appreciate this, man. Thank you so much. Um. So how again? Let's. This is awesome. How can people? Stay in touch. How can people support and, and keep, you know, keep, by the way, keep doing what you're doing. Because, again, you are building the metaverse slash singularity. Um, but, but yeah, all that, all the other good stuff. How can people follow you? Uh, I just, I'll go through the list. It's almost like a part-time job just maintaining all this stuff. Um, Agreed. So maybe the number one way is I'm, I'm active on the Oculus VR development forums in what's currently the Firebox thread. Cool. So I'm, I'm always posting my updates on there. Uh, I have an existing website online, but again, that's going to be subject to change, right? So, <laughs> so actually, to give you URLs and stuff right that it's it's a little it's a little yeah yeah sort of precedes that. <laughs> um, but I have an email address I can be reached at uh, mccrae mccrae at dgp.toronto.edu, and that's on my academic page. So if you search for James McRae, uh, you can get the email there. Uh, I'm on, I'm, I check Reddit all the time. So I'm James McRae on there as well. I'm, right now it's our firebox. We may just very well keep that, uh, subreddit. 
I guess, or I might switch it. I don't know, but <laughs> whatever happens, if you want to follow it, I, I, sh- I should be findable <laughs> anyway, cool. at least if I'm doing it right. So, yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Are you on Twitter by any chance? No, I'm not. Sorry. Oh no, no worries. Uh, cool. Well. Oh, there's. A, oh, uh, how about I refer you to another guy on Twitter who's who actually is really good at covering the updates. Yeah. So the, this guy Lee Nolan again. He actually like tweets when I do updates, and I think his Twitter thing is just like VR sites is one word. Yep. I looked them up. Actually, uh, I actually looked them up on Twitter, and I was like, "Hey, are you the?" One? I actually asked him for an interview. I was like, "Lee, I, I, I promise, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean. Uh, 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 I didn't mean to uh, get you confused for James. I'll, I'll, I'll probably try to get Lee sometime on the podcast. But like, yeah, I asked him like, "Hey, do you want to come on the podcast? I'd love to talk to you. You're you. You're, I love Fireboxing. What you're doing? He's like, "Oh, I'm not the developer. He's, I'm like, "Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> but that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so yeah, so he's doing it right. You know, you're able to find him. So, so. <laughs> he's he's better at this stuff than I am. So that's that that's good. He's actually a great dude, man. From from what I know about him, my interactions with him, he's like he's, he's you know he's casual, but like he uh he's kind of really on the ball. He gives me like updates and suggestions. If something's broken, he'll be like the first guy to tell me it's broken. That's so awesome. uh, very in kind of an informal way, we he's, we've we've turned into a bit of a team working on this. And his his vision of just like making up all this like VR sites, this sort of I don't know if you went to it, but like, it's like GeoCities in the sense that you go into this room and then there's like, you're in kind of like a hotel lobby and then like the, the doors are just like everywhere and they all have their different labels on them and stuff. And he's expanded. So there's going to be like 26 hotels and you can fly around. Like it's really cool stuff. And he's just putting it up all the, the funds and whatever else, the resources to host these things. So if you want to make a firebox room, just go to vrsites.com. Yeah, that's probably the main URL I should be plugging, vrsites.com, because he has all the links and everything in there. Cool. And he's doing a great job of the uh, the web presence uh, stuff. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Lee, cool. man, I should have said this earlier, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, shout out to Lee. Lee, you're doing a great job. Uh, so, so yeah, cool, yeah. VR I love sites. what that guy's doing, yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, and, and uh, we love, uh, the community loves what you guys are both doing. Uh, so... Thank you, uh, James, man. You've been a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality today, man. And, and sorry about bringing you along for this weird ride all over the place. Because <laughs> I was... Uh, I, <laughs> no, no, no. It's cool. I've, I've actually heard a few of your podcasts before. I knew I was in for, like, something weird. You might drop the word penis at least a few times. So I already knew what I was in for. <laughs> you were right! Cool. Thanks, very much. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> uh, it was a true pleasure, really. So, uh, again, James McCray, the creator of... Uh, Janice, uh, tentatively 3D or, or VR, but, but again, a, a true scholar and gentleman. Thanks so much for your time.